and welcome back to the FEZ show. It is race week once again, Rome race week. We've got two races this time. We're going to talk about that uh, coming up. Lots and lots to talk about. We've got news regarding Gen 3, track, track changes, as well as obviously looking ahead to all the news and, and the sort of the preview for the Rome race, which is basically what this podcast is about. And I'm joined once again by Mr. Jack Pickering and Edward Hunter is back, but... If you're confusing for Nigel Mansell, for the YouTube viewers, it's okay. We've all done it. Hello, boys. Uh, uh, hi, Jack. Hi, Nigel. <laughs> oh, you can't shoot me like that, lad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a terrible Nigel Mansell impression. But you set me up there, so I had to do something, and I hadn't practiced it. So, but Never anyway, mind. It's good to be back. I'll, Never I'll just mind. be me rather than Nigel. Yes. Right. So what I want to talk about first, though, let's talk about Rome. Let's do the preview for first, then we'll talk about the news afterwards. And then maybe we'll come back for some predictions at the end. Uh, so what I want to talk about first is something that's a bit of a bugbearer for me. Right. And I've said it many times before. Track changes. You know, I really like the Rome track. It's just been released on R-Factor 2. So as well as a thing that you could buy, but it's like already pointless because we've got a new one. Um I want to get your thoughts, Jack, first on, on the track changes. Because obviously, they've taken out the jump, which everybody loves. Um, they've taken out the twisty section where um, the pit lane used to be. So the pit lane is in a completely new place to where it was. So that part of the section's um, out. And also the area where um, Mitch Evans passed Andre Lotterer, that's not a chicane anymore. That becomes effectively a hairpin. Um, and we cut where we used to start the race out, and we start much further out. So... What do you think of the track changes, Jack? Do you, do you agree with the track changes? Uh, and what do you think the race is going to look like potentially now going into Rome this weekend? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the same side as you are on on this. There was uh, I didn't really see the need to change the track layout. If 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 you think about Formula E and the track and the tracks that we have on the calendar, if there was one layout that I thought you know they've nailed it straight from the off, they don't need to make any real changes to that it was rome rome was the rome was the perfect cir circuit in my opinion and yeah I, I i don't i i don't really see the need to change it that much and i feel that they've got rid of some really good zones i love the hairpin which used to be turn one there was the um there was the bit where we had the pile up last year but i actually thought that that, that section was a lot nicer and a lot better than it was in um in season four and and yeah as you said they've um they've removed the jump and 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 honestly the way that the way that I look at it it is just like they've taken the first part of the old track stuck a little extension onto it and then just drawn a straight line and just put a little hairpin in it, it I mean like there there isn't really much left to the track and hopefully I improved wrong but I I just look at this track layout and think you know is this is this a seven-year-old's interpretation of the Rome track, if I'm completely honest? Yeah, I suppose you bring up a valid point, which I'll throw to Ed, in terms of the race was red flagged in season five. Um, before that Mickey Mouse bit, that real tight left right-hander um, before the entrance to the pit lane, and that could have had... And obviously we had Burn that was also red flagged, and that could have had some bearing, I think, on whether or not 
um, you know, the, the layout was changed. You're, you're right. So if you, you know, turn four, five, six on the new layout was very similar to what it was before where the attack mode zone was. Um, I think the attack mode zone is now at turn 15, so around the hairpin. So where once upon a time we would be starting the race, attack mode is now on the outside of that hairpin with that little tall uh, pizza. Um, I don't know what it's called. Macaroni. I don't know. That's kind of Marconi. Really it's Marconi. the radio tower because Marconi invented the radio. So, we're going we're going around that rather than straight past and back around it um so do you think maybe that red flag you know in rome and then in Bern sort of prompted these sort of track changes i don't think it's specifically to do with the burn one i think it's more to do with the one we had in rome where if i remember correctly lopez basically got it wrong and caused a huge pile up in the dragon and of course lopez doesn't drive the dragon anymore but I don't, I don't think it's just because of that pile up. I think his results that season weren't great. But anyway, uh, I definitely think that had an impact because it was a huge delay under Red Flag, if you remember. I think it was long enough for Sam Bird, who was caught in the pile up, to actually get his car repaired during the Red Flag. Uh, so I think that would be at the forefront of their minds. I think also there's a sense of Formula e wanting to get rid of some of the chicanes they've added in because there's a sense that maybe it's not that impressive to see Formula e cars going at really, really slow speeds, and they want to show what the cars can really do. We have a really long flat-out section, I think, from, like, a turn 6 through to turn, like, 9 or 10 or something like that, but it's, like, this really flat-out sort of section uh, midway through the lap, uh, and uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the cars do energy saving through there, especially um, if it reminds me a little bit more of Mexico, where we have a really long flat-out section at the main straight. But, uh, and I also like the hairpin, personally. I, even though Jack said it looked a little bit like a seven-year-old child's drawing. I like the fact we have a corner that isn't just 90 degrees. It's actually sort of a gradual kind of one, and it's a good place to put attack mode on, I think. So, overall, I think, I actually think the changes were kind of necessary. I, I agree, maybe there's some bits where it's not quite ideal, but you're working with what you've got on the sort of the streets of Rome itself. So, from that point of view, yeah, I, I completely disagree what Pico said, but I sort of agree with what you pointed out, Jack, that uh, there was a red flag and it sort of it sort of made it clear that the, those chicanes, they needed to do something about them, basically, and I think this is probably a, a decent compromise. Yeah, and on, the, and, and on the topic of these chicanes that they've, that they've decided that they want to get rid of, now we're going to Valencia, where they've decided that... Um, and I'm sure we'll go into it a little bit later in the episode, but they've just slammed a tiny chicane in the middle of the straight there, and so that, to me, makes no real sense at all. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't get a formula's logic for that, but we'll get on to that later. What I wanted to add, though, as I said, go back for, to track changes, to me, it's always been a bugbear because, you know, I feel like... Formula E wants to have an iconic track and Rome could have become an iconic track and you know I put an issue about it in in our magazine that you know will Formula E ever have an iconic track and if they keep making these track changes then there can never be an iconic track there's now technically no tracks that have Rome was one of the last tracks that formerly made themselves that hadn't actually been altered maybe paris as well um, but i don't think paris will ever be seen as an iconic track to be honest with you um, but rome potentially had that iconic thing and especially with the jump um at turn eight like as soon as as soon as you know it was announced that this track was being changed people said is the jump still in still in the track and formerly we went yeah it still is and then quickly deleted that tweet because now it's been taken out um so the jump is no and so part of that you know the characteristic of the track 
you know, something that made people, oh yeah, Rome has got that jump, oh, really looking forward to Rome, has gone. And I feel like, I don't know now we, when we go to this track if it will have that same, like, awe factor. Like, I'm looking at, so the turn, the section that you said is actually turn four, five, six, and seven, which is that long flat out section, Ed. Um, because I've got the track map up here in front of me, but I'm just looking at the old track, because you can see the old track. And as I said, like, if turn three is just a much longer straight before, rather than a quick shake and then a shimmy into turn four where it used to be. But I'm looking at, it would have been a much shorter track, though, but I was just thinking, you know, they could have kept the jump, because the jump was in that section, and then maybe they could have made a new sort of layout through the cities, uh, a few 90, because they've still kept some 90 degree corners, because, you know, turn 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 are just 90 degree left, rights, and left, rights. But, Jack, what I wanted to bring to you was, you know, do you feel like, you know, Formula E will go to these races, tracks build up character, and are we, you know, risking losing, you know, some tracks like Rome, which had character, um, and we could be going into a, a Rome race this weekend where we go, oh, it's just not the same. Yeah, and that's that's kind of from my end that I'm finding that it's it's uh, it's it's going to be a different it's going to be a different weekend I think for more ways than one the fact that we've got this new double header which I'm which we'll get into uh, as well in a bit but um but uh, yeah it's um the fact that they have made these changes um the and I mean I, I am I'm probably in the minority in terms of like not actually liking these changes because I I have actually seen quite a lot of people being like oh yeah it's still good even though we've lost the jump it's it it's an improvement and um. Yeah, lots of lots of my comments on Reddit were downvoted for that, but you know, oh well. Uh but um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's going to be a different weekend to the one that we know. I feel like, yeah, it's going to be harder on energy saving now. Uh, I think um, there's a chicane. I want to say turn thirteen for uh, turn twelve. Turn 13, twelve. Yep. That's absolutely flat out. Uh, it, it's it's literally just going to be a kink there it's 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 barely going to be a corner um but um uh but yeah it's um it's it's going to be an interesting one we could see some record speeds in formula e but i do feel that just that track that was just so good it, it didn't need changing we were happy with it yeah it's just it's just the way it is. I said Formula have done it so many times, obviously with Berlin as well. I'm thinking of having like I just want something that stays, and we go back in twenty years and go, oh yeah, we've been racing gear for thirty years on this same track, not in different like a hundred million variations of this track. Can I say something very quickly about very the jump? Course. Of course, because you can. Uh, the thing about the jump was I think it was the camera angles that made that for me to be honest. It was that very low angle that really showed the actual kind of lift. Because I think on the onboards you didn't really notice it quite so much. So I think. For me personally, the new track, what's going to sell it or not, is whether the camera angles make it look quick, really. And uh, that, and I think with that high speed section, it may, might be a good, good way of showing that. And like you say, there's bits that aren't really even corners, Jack, but we'll have to see, especially if it rains, if that remains the case. So I'm excited, personally. I'm sorry to spoil the pity party. So. <laughs> no, it's kind of like Buenos Aires. Like, remember, if you, Buenos Aires, the quick sh left, right, she came before the start straight. Um, the camera angle there made that look super quick. Um, and, even, and even those were Gen 1 cars. So, and we were like, wow. So you know let's see what let's see what happens with the with the cameras but let's move on to the teams um with tech cheetah because they are bringing their new 
powertrain um, to this weekend, to this race. Nissan were, but it's been delayed due to COVID-19 reasons. So they're hoping to bring their new powertrain in um, for Valencia. Fingers crossed for them. And Dragon should also be bringing their new powertrain um, this weekend. So let's talk about Tech Cheetah though, because, you know, they had an all right weekend. They had an all right weekend with, you know, their season six powertrain in Saudi Arabia. You know, nothing to really right home about first race but second race you were like oh my god they're still here right and now they've got their new powertrain ed coming into season coming into rome do we think it's going to be status quo it's still going to be incredibly tight or do we think no tech cheetah this is where they come in their car's going to be about two three temps quicker than everybody else is and it's going to be another championship battle between antonio felix costa and john eric verne I don't know. The Mercedes have got a very strong powertrain, for instance, so I'm not so sure that even if the Tachita uh, Season 7 official powertrain, as we're going to see it in Rome, even if it is a step forward, I'm not sure if it's going to be a case of they just pull away from everyone. I still think we've got uh, some really strong ones there. And it's also not just a case of having the new powertrain, but also getting the best out of it. We know they've tested with the Season 7 powertrain a few times in private, I think at least, not during the public preseason tests. But it'll be interesting to see how it sort of goes in racing conditions. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes, but I still expect it to be quite close between those sort of three or four teams that are sort of running consistently at the top, I think. So, uh, yeah, it remains to be seen, to be honest. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Like, you know, Jack, teams can bring a new powertrain. There's no guarantee that it will actually be the quickest. But with Tech Cheetah's track, you know, and DS's track record, you're expecting their new powertrain to, you know, season six, they were a cut above the rest. You could even argue that in season five. They're kind of like the Mercedes in Formula, in Formula E in terms of they're the ones setting the benchmark and people have to catch them. Um, so even though we have seen a really good start from Mercedes, for example, personally, I think Tech Cheetah will come out there and, you know, will show their hand and go, you know what, we're here to play now. Okay, this is what you guys have got. This is what we've got. And 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 maybe pull a tenth or two and we'll be like, oh my God, here we go again. Or do you think, you know what, like Ed just said, do you think, you know what, they're going to bring a new powertrain. Yes, they're going to be quick, but you know what, Mercedes and the others, they're going to be there. Yeah, for for uh, for all we know, powertrain could be worse. I bet my life it isn't. It will be, a, it, I, I bet my life that the powertrain is going to be so much better. But, um... But yeah, that's the thing. Uh, we don't we don't really know um, where they're going to be. However, I do think that they are the ones to watch this weekend. Uh, we went into the Saudi Arabia race. Um, I said they will be, uh, and, and and I said that they won't even be top twenty qualifying, which they weren't until. And I I mentioned this on the last show as well. I'm going to mention it again. Sergio said to camera crashed out, deleted three of the times they were back in the top twenty. Cheers, Sergio. But um. But uh, yeah, I. It, uh, but however, that their performance on day two was absolutely fantastic, and I think that now that they now they're going to have the season seven powertrain, they're going to go a step above the rest. I think that Mercedes. Uh, I, I think that Mercedes because they were so quick in Deria, they'll be up there absolutely. Um, it will be interesting. Uh, I know. I. I. I know. They'd written off uh, Jaguar really early on, Jack. But you know their performance in in uh, Saudi Arabia begs to differ. Um. Uh, so yeah. Thank you for the reminder. You're welcome. Um. But uh. But uh, Yeah. It's um. It's uh, gonna be uh, it, with with Formula E. I mean, if if you do predict Formula E, you are a madman. It is. It is too hard to predict. 
Well, we're all madmen because that's exactly what we'll be doing at the end of this episode. Um, so I want another team I want to talk about, Ed, very quickly is Dragon because Dragon also bring an um, updated powertrain um, to this race, and obviously they really and truly had a fantastic um, opening weekend in Diria because you know they were getting into Super Pole. They come out of nowhere and just to have an upgraded season six powertrain, probably with software that they'll be bringing into the season seven powertrain. I think Dragon, you know. We could be seeing Dragon actually finally making this step into Super Bowl, maybe a bit more consistent than we've seen because of what they showed in Diria. So I think there's a lot of promise for that team. Well, they were in the last group, weren't they, in Diria? And I think that's something that might play against teams like Mercedes in Rome, that now leaving the championship, Nick DeVries, for instance, is going to be in the first group uh, in Rome, so he might have a bit of trouble. But yeah, they were in the last group, uh, won the last groups in Diria because they were quite far down the points last season. So. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I was impressive to see them so far up and running pretty. Their pace wasn't too bad, actually. And there were a lot of, uh, as Sergio said, a camera, I was reading an interview with him. He basically said he was really surprised that actually he was running in the points because he wasn't expecting that all, this season. It just seems like the engineers that they've got at Dragon Pinsky, uh, that they're, they're getting the best out of that season six powertrain. Uh, it's especially where they're So with the season seven powertrain, it will be interesting to see how they do i would be very surprised if dragon were ended up fighting for the championship but it's entirely possible that they could fight for quite a few points as the season goes on especially nico muller sidio set camera both very solid drivers and they've got a bit of experience under their belt now too which is key in formula e so they're definitely ones to watch out for they've got a nice livery too that uh shiny red and on white so uh they'll, they'll definitely stand out so yeah I've, I've not got too many other thoughts on that it's, it'll be interesting to see how they go I think it's a similar issue with Tachita. You're not sure how much testing they've done with that season's end power training and if they'll be able to get the best out of it because historically Dragon Penske don't have the best track record of uh, producing competitive power units. So. Yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. But I am excited for Dragon because they've done, as I said, from Dira, the promise Jack is there. But I want to talk about Nissan very quickly um, because obviously it, they wanted to be like Dragon and Tachita bringing their powertrain into this race ready to fight. They're not, so they're being pushed back to Valencia. How much do you think, one, that will harm them? But with the likes of Oliver Rowland, you know, Sebastian Boehmer, you could argue, didn't do too much in, in, in Diria, but Oliver Rowland was quickest in both Group 1 qualifying sessions um, in Diria. So do you think, you know, their Season 6 powertrain car will still, you know, manage the test of time? Or do you think, you know, more teams have got their Season 7 powertrain that they'll struggle more in, in Rome this weekend? Yeah, Oli did a fantastic job in um in Adiria. I think that the second uh, uh the second day in um in Adiria with, with qualifying, I think he was I think he was a little bit helped by the fact that you know there wasn't a, there wasn't either Mercedes in that um in that able to take part in that session, and also two of the other ones didn't even get over the line. But um, but uh, yeah, it's uh it's. Uh, I, I I still feel that they can they can perhaps challenge for top ten this weekend. I I think that they won't be able to show the pace that they had in Diria. Um, well, that's purely because you know we we know that um, Tachita are bringing in their new powertrain. Dragon are bringing in their new powertrain as well. They could be quicker as well. I mean, I I'm I'm in the same boat as that. I'd be amazed if they fight if they fight for the championship. But they are definitely on for their best season in years i think back to when they had d'ambrosio and duval back in season two or season three um but um but yeah it's gonna be um 
but yeah, I think Nissan. I I don't think they'll lose much sleep in terms of that they that they're gonna miss this weekend. But they'll get to Valencia, and um, yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll see them back at the pointy end because uh, I because qualifying groups and um, also Valencia. It's it it's it, it's an actual racetrack, so you know might not see as much of the dirty line effect there as well. Now. Random question I'm going to throw to both of you very quickly uh, about Nissan. Now, we don't know, which sort of brings on to our next topic about the calendar. Like, we don't know how many races we're going to have. You know, I think their powertrain for Season 7 is homologated, so I, I'm pretty sure they can't touch anything. But if they, because they haven't raced with it, maybe they can. Who knows? But I'm pretty sure it's homologated. Um, they just haven't brought it for whatever reason. Um, if you're Nissan and you only, you realise that you've got four races left... Uh, maybe of the season with double headers and then wherever we go do you go actually we'll withdraw our powertrain for this season because we didn't bring it in time and we'll introduce it into season eight do a little bit more work on it where everybody else has the same powertrain so you might have a better powertrain going into um season eight than what you currently might have what do you think on that i'll go to ed first I'm glad. That, all I can say is I'm glad you're not running the Nissan team because that doesn't sound like the fiscally responsible thing to do. Put all that money into getting the season seven powertrain ready, and then just not bother bringing it out at all and just building a different one for season eight. No, the thing is not building. It's not building a different one for season eight, but using that one and then finding the stuff to make it because everyone's powertrain you have to remember is identical for next season whoever bring on new power so tech cheetah are bringing that powertrain into season eight mercedes are bringing that powertrain it does not change into season eight because it's now a two-year cycle so before gen 3 goes in, in in season nine therefore you can run your season six powertrain this season there's nothing stopping you from doing that this season and then bring a, a new powertrain for season eight so i was just thinking if you were if you knew that formula was in you know what we're doing all these double headers probably only going to go to monaco it looks like we're not going to marrakesh we might be able to squeeze london in at the end of july because and maybe berlin so maybe you're looking at another four races do you go you know what is it worth bringing a new powertrain that we can't touch them for season eight in now for half a season or do you say i and i i'm pretty sure it's homologated anyway so i'm i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure that they could even do this but let's just bite the bullet and just say for two seconds that they might be able to just take it away work on it afterwards and bring it in for season eight and then they've they've got a potentially a better powertrain in season eight than they would have had in season seven which they would have had to have carried through because they're not allowed to touch it well, that's an interesting one. I, I don't know. I personally think Nissan—they've literally just committed to what uh, through to twenty twenty six. I think in Formula E, I think it would, it for them to give up on this season. I think wouldn't be a good look for them. I think they would definitely want to um, introduce it as soon as possible. I think if they had made the decision, they were making this decision a bit earlier, and maybe they had a few doubts about whether the season seven powertrain was really going to allow them to fight for wins. Then I might agree with you that might, it might make more sense to to hold off until season eight. But uh, personally, I think the way they're doing it, it's literally just because of a, from what I understood, a supplier issue that basically, literally, the trucks couldn't get to the bits of the powertrain to roam in time or something like that because of COVID nineteen. That was what I read anyway. I might be misinformed on that, but yeah. So I I would disagree with you, Jack. I think I think it makes more sense to introduce it as early as possible in the current context. But if we were making the decision a bit earlier. Then I think it might be more. It might be more of an option, hypothetically. 
Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to agree with Ed on that. If they were making this decision at two forty seven on the sixth of April two thousand twenty one, uh, no, just 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 introduce it. But if 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 they're making this decision two uh, one or two months ago, I think they'd consider it more. But at this moment, no, I'd say go full steam ahead. I mean, I think we are now over that deadline, but um, uh, so it needs to be introduced now. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think it was a mute point. I'm going to be honest with you. I do think it was a mute point, but it just it just popped into my head thinking, you know, could you just work with your season six powertrain and then whatever you learn from this powertrain, you introduce into season eight to probably make your powertrain. Well, they already train. learned everything in the powertrain. They won in Berlin last year. Well, so. yes, but you can you'll be learning from this season, of course, wouldn't you, Dope? But anyway, let's talk about the calendar updates then, because obviously Rome and Valencia have become a double header. Quite short notice for Rome. It was last weekend that it was announced that Rome had become a double header. So we've got two races. We've got one on Saturday and one on Sunday. And then Valencia has also become a double header, which, um, you know, has had a few minor track changes, as Jack mentioned earlier, with the chicane um, bolted on. And they're not using the full layout, they're using a slightly shorter layout. But um, uh, what I wanted to also talk about was also Monaco, because Monaco are starting their track construction. And obviously Monaco did say that they want to race in Formula Re, well, not race, but have a Formula Re race, have an F1 race. You know, do the triple header. And I think they've also done Monaco Historique is is on course to possibly even happening, but I don't know if that will happen because that's that's an that's an event that requires fans, and I don't think it's much uh, much fun without fans in that one, especially with France's current COVID nineteen situation um, not going too well. But what what do you think of the calendar becoming double headers? You know, and do you think Monaco, if Monaco was to be added to the calendar, which I am kind of expecting to happen, especially that it's getting ready, so it's obviously ready for F one, so it'll be ready for FE. You know, do you expect them to become a double header and what do you make of the rest of the season because obviously we would have had six races come the end of valencia from three locations you'd expect berlin to happen potentially because it's in an isolated area in terms of the tempelhof airport um do you think london will happen there's a lot there that i'm sort of getting at but do you think you know, we have a good chance of seeing some extra races, Ed. Or do you think, you know what, they're doing these double headers, and maybe Monaco could be a double header because we might only have 10 races this season, for example. Yeah, well, I think the double headers are about is really making sure that they have enough races, especially given, let's not forget, it's an FIA World Championship um, for the first time this season. Uh, so they really want to make sure they get at least six races in, which is why I think they're doing these uh, double headers the way they are. Uh, and sort of at the last minute too in the case of Rome that's like we know like two weeks notice so everyone has to put like an extra day in the hotel room at last notice somehow but um but I and as for the rest of the season I think I agree I would expect to see Monaco on there especially if F1 are going then there's no reason for Formula E not to go unless the situation changes dramatically in between the two uh and also, I'd hope that they're going to use the full layout, I think, or at least a different one to the, the bridge layout that we've seen the last couple of years. I'm pretty sure that's happening, that they're using the full layout. Uh, and then, as for, you mentioned London, I think we had Santiago delayed earlier in the season, so that was being postponed. So it'll be interesting to see if that fits in, if they can fit it in. Uh, and then we've got a couple other rounds as well that are a bit uncertain. Berlin, I think New York, we're pretty sure isn't happening. Uh, and then we got Paris. We got the situation in Europe is a little bit um, complex at the moment, especially given what we got Rome next weekend. Apparently, it's going to be behind closed doors event. And I think you said a, a few episodes ago, Jack, you mentioned that it would be a really bad look for Formula e to go 
race on people's doorstep, but they're not allowed to leave their houses or something like that. If we were racing in a place during lockdown, I, th- I remember you saying something like that. But um, the, yeah, I did. A bad look. So, so yeah, I, th- I think that's something that unfortunately Formula is going to have to um, deal with this week- this weekend in Rome. But uh, but hopefully it won't be the case for the whole season. It like I said, there's so many unknowns. It's very di- I'm giving a very wishy washy answer here. I said earlier as well, I didn't think London would happen at the end of the season. I was just very pessimistic and I would be very surprised if it did. And uh, I don't know, I'm, at the moment I'm kind of I'm kind of going to stick to that because I rather think it's not going to happen and then be pleasantly surprised rather than change your mind and then be disappointed. So I'm going to be cautiously optimistic in a pessimistic way, if that makes sense. So yeah. yeah. That's I'm, my answer. It's probably not very helpful. I'm optimistic for London because as it's booked in for the end of July and corner, if the UK's government rollout works by the 21st of June, it's back to normal life. So for me, there's no reason why there couldn't be a race in June with uh, with as many spectators as they want um, come come July. But Jack, just just a last little bit on the on the calendar. Like, are you expecting there to be more races? You know, I couldn't. I said like I can't see Paris happening with France having 50,000 cases um a day at the moment so I think Paris is gone I think New York as well is is not great with cases for some reason Marrakesh is off the calendar from what we're hearing um which is quite I think a, a shock in a sense but um because it's been formerly safety goat for for eight or scapegoat for ages and just sort of, we'll go to Marrakesh but you know what do you think of the calendar do you think these double headers that they've done are a sign that you know what there might not be many races after this i think it just all boils back to an article posted by formula e-zone yours truly in um in uh, in uh, at the start of february uh where i said that um this is the season where formula e kind of uh, because the whole situation that we are in in this world that we should have given racetracks a go and yes we kind of are with Valencia but I mean like we it's they're, they're not using the full layout they're trying to make their own like oh Formula E layout they've got that dodgy chicane that looks I mean like, it, it doesn't look great from uh the track map that I've seen um I think the race posted it but um uh yeah it's um yeah I think it's it's a tough one. Paris, by the way, is cancelled. That was cancelled um, uh, back in uh, back when they announced the 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 um, the current the current calendar that we're on at the moment. Um, so yeah, uh, in regards to London, I think, and um, I, I'm going to refer to my article again. Uh, I think they need to consider Donington Park. Um, it's, it's it's the home of Formula E. They've still got the they've still got the thing that they've still got the um, uh, the HQ there. Some of the teams are still based up there. It would make sense to have this season end. Uh, if we can't have a London Epre go to Donington, we can do Berlin. Berlin, um, I think, will be on the calendar. Uh, I am now starting to be rather sceptical. Uh, Santiago, which I think is poised for the 5th, 6th of June. Uh, I can't see that going ahead. I mean, uh, I, I'd be... I'd be lying if I said I'm not like gutted that Marrakesh song cuz I know that the 22nd May is going to be very busy for me anyways but you know I'm I'm but uh but yeah um but yeah no I think we will have um 
Uh, I think we will have a few races. I, I think Berlin's definitely going to be on the count. I think they're going to at least try and have a UK race. If it's not in London, it'll be Donington Park. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'd quite like to see more races on there. But I mean, and and, and if Formula E are watching this, there's there's an article. If you go back a few months, Formula E zone, um, get some ideas from there. Indeed they shall, indeed they shall. But sort of to wrap up, yeah, as I said, I think the calendar is a, is an, obviously it's, it's really hard and we're, we're talking here, Formula Rhea have actually got the difficult job of putting it on a calendar and I do think the, the doubleheaders are a precursor to say, you know, that there isn't going to be that many races. So, you know, we're trying to get as many races as we can done at each location. So there might only be six locations. You know, we could go to Monaco. That would be our fourth location. We could go to Berlin. That could be our fifth location. We could go to London. That could be our sixth location. We get 12 races in all of them double headers. Um, and then there you go. You've, you've got your six races, six different locations to call it a championship. You've got 12 races, which is a decent championship size. And we, we call it quits and we wait for season eight when hopefully the world's back to normal but um and, and reliant on the vaccine and if the uk is anything to go by um it does work so fingers crossed that it can be ro- rolled out to other places um as soon as possible uh we, we're a bit short on time boys but let's just talk about this topic quite quickly um porsche and nissan have signed up to gen 3 which is really good news for the series going forward along with ds and mahindra but mercedes jaguar and neo we are assuming are going to commit um from the press article that they published um last week and dragon are the only other manufacturer that hasn't um uh, well those are the four manufacturers that haven't actually committed yet um mercedes let's talk about them very quickly uh we haven't had much news about jaguar actually so we'll get onto that quite quickly but mercedes i think it's a financial thing in the structure of the sport that they're looking at and especially is what ian james told us back in november that is the main tipping point they want a good financial structure in place and a, you know a good structure where they can see progression and the fact is that you know the 31st of march deadline has gone past now not everyone signed up for for gen 3 is slightly worrying but um they do have more time to actually get the deal across the line to um take part in gen 3 so uh, i'll throw over to jack first what do you think why do you obviously with mercedes still not committing jaguar you know that we haven't had much rumblings about jaguar and why they haven't committed yet um why do you think some of the teams maybe haven't committed to the championship just yet i think i think it all boils down to the situation that we're in right now uh, we, we we are not in the ideal situation right now with um with this pandemic going on uh, so I think it kind of makes sense, and I think that's why they're being a bit more lenient towards these teams for not actually signing up yet. Um, but yeah, as uh, as you said, uh, Mercedes, Jaguar, and Neo. I um, it sound we, we've heard good noises come out of mo- most of them, and we expect them to stay. Um, Dragon, I'm not too sure on, but uh, yeah, uh, I well, maybe maybe who knows? They might have signed up, but it's not going to be officially announced until you know maybe this weekend or maybe in that gap between Roma or Valencia no I agree I, with, with, with Dragon I'm always intrigued to see if they will ever ever partner with an American manufacturer um, going forward because it just makes pure sense rather and you know because they, they have a lot of headquarters obviously in Silverstone as well um, Dragon which will be interesting but you know Mercedes Jaguar Ed let's talk about Jaguar like why do you think Jaguar haven't signed up yet obviously you could argue they haven't done the greatest in Formula E. They've made good progression, 
They haven't won a championship yet. They've won a couple of races here and there. Probably not what they were expecting when they signed up in Season 3 to be where they are in Season 7. I thought they probably wouldn't be fighting for race wins week in, week out by now. Um, but, you know, any thoughts on why you think Jaguar? Because they're out of the lot, them and Dragon have been the quietest in terms of noise that they've been talking about in terms of why they haven't signed up yet. Yeah, they have. I think it might be something to do with... Uh, remember when they had to can the Jaguar I-Pace e-trophy uh, last season? because of, Mainly because of the pandemic, so they've been hit quite hard by that, we know. So uh, I definitely think that uh, Jaguar's... Maybe it, their Jaguar, much like Mercedes, are a little bit worried about money right now. And you mentioned earlier the 31st of March deadline, and that was the deadline to get the um, anyone who's uh, signed up uh, be be before then will get the CAD drawings, and, and indeed they'll get them after as well. So, but the teams that haven't signed up at the moment, they don't get the CAD drawings for Gen 3 or any of the specs or anything that would help them in terms of designing the powertrain and all the rest of it. So the teams at the moment, they're not necessarily a disadvantage if they take a few extra weeks to make that decision but it means that the other you know the likes of Mahindra, DS, Tachita, Nissan etc they have all you know made their and Porsche too they've made their decision early and they're going to get uh they already know what Gen 3 is going to look like whereas Jaguar and uh some of these other teams don't and let's not forget as well there's McLaren who've signed their option for not for season 8 of course but for season 9 when Gen 3 comes in they're still evaluating they're going to take a whole year 2021 to look at it and it'll be interesting to see if uh obviously we know that audi are going and bmw are going too. audi in particular the team slot has sort of elapsed so uh there's a there's a there's definitely a gap for mclaren potentially and it'll be interesting to see whether what they what decision they come to at the end of 2021 crucially but also if making that decision later than the other teams puts them at a disadvantage as well Right, so we have rapidly running out of time now, boys. So, finally for our must, before we... We'll be back, obviously, um, for the post-review show of what happened in the doubleheaders um, after the race. But let's, let's, let's have some predictions, then. We are all madmen, according to Mr. Pickering, um, for making uh, predictions. I'm going to go first, then. I'm going to go first. I think... Um, we'll just do race winners. I think that'll be easier. So, I'm going to predict... I think Mercedes are going to come out on top in one of the races so in the first race and i don't think it's going to be the freeze i think van dorn is going to win this one but then i think on the sunday race the new season seven powertrain they sort of understand it a bit from the first race doesn't go too well for ds in the first race but the second race they come out flying and i'm going to give it to Vern uh for the second race i'll, I'll pass over to ed ed who do you think is going to make the noise in in rome well, first off, I'm excited because I didn't get to watch the opening two races for obvious reasons that I won't go into. But uh, I think I'm going to go a bit left field and go for, I think, Andre Lotterer was very close to winning last time we were in Rome. Uh, lost out to Mitch Evans in the end. I think this year, I think we're having, uh, for the first race, having he didn't score any points, I think, in uh, any of the first two races. So it'd be quite in one of the later quality groups, probably quality group four. So I think Lotterer will get on pole and win in the first race. And then in the second race, I'll go another left field pick. I'm going to go for Eduardo Mortara, who was very impressive in the opening race. Pulled off a brilliant double overtake, I'm told. I didn't see it. Uh, but um, <laughs> but I think uh, I think Mortara uh, has been incredibly quick. I think he's got a lot to prove. Uh, he wants to add another win to his collection venture. He looks strong with the Mercedes powertrain. 
so yeah, that is the way I see it playing out, and um, uh, I think I, I think neither is actually going to happen, but that's the prediction I'm going to make. PK you got twenty seconds. Who do you think? Okay, so Stoff's in Group Three, so I'm going to go Stoff for Day One. I'm going to agree with you there, Jack. Um, day Two, um, uh, Buemi's out in Group Four. Uh, Jev's in Group Three. Uh, do, do you know what? I, I'm going to be boring and and uh, and actually agree with you for the first time in forever, Jack. And go wow. um, Vandon, and then one of the cheaters. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, that is all that we have time for. So we'll be back. Um, after the Rome E Prix to break everything down, look at the main talking points. That will that show will be coming out next week. Um, uh, to hopefully towards the middle of it. Uh, if once we get it all sorted and 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 sort of find a slot that works for everybody to talk about the race. Thank you so much for watching the FEZ show. We will see you soon. Goodbye. Bye now. <laughs> Thank you.